Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith without compromise and without apology. We want to give you high energy and non-boring Catholicism, where anyone at any time can come to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. We do apologetics, spirituality, other religions, our culture, and more. Most of all, we want to inspire you, inform you, and help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith with purpose and passion. We are Catholic Truth. Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast. I am your host, Brian Mercier, founder and president of Catholic Truth, and I'm super excited to be here with you today, as always, though unfortunately, today we have a more depressing topic because another lead singer of a Christian band has left his faith and has become an atheist. John Steingard was the uh, second lead singer of Hawk Nelson. His father is the pastor of a church, and he has recently announced that he has left the faith and become an atheist. First, we have Marty Sampson, lead singer and songwriter for Hillsong, leaving the faith or at least seriously doubting his faith. And now you have John Steingard and other people too who are actually leaving the faith. These are worship leaders. These are lead Christian singers and they're losing their faith in God. And why? Why are they losing their faith in God? Why do they not have good answers? Each of them has doubts. Each of them has concerns and they're not getting good answers. That's why they're leaving is because we as a church and as a people are not giving them good, solid intellectual answers, and they're leaving. We're not leading them to good, solid resources. We're giving them cheap bumper sticker advice that doesn't do anything but makes people walk away. I mean, he said he grew up in this band, and he grew up in a Christian worldview. His father's a pastor. You just grow up believing in God. You just grow up believing in Jesus like everybody else. But at some point, like most people, you begin to doubt your faith. That's normal. That's natural, and it's a good thing because it means that you're not blindly accepting everything anymore and you're not blindly believing. But the fact that these people like John Steingard have said that they had questions and they were afraid to ask them or anytime they did ask them, people would give cheesy answers like, oh, just pray more or just look in the Bible. And like, you never think to pray, right? Oh, thanks. Thanks for telling me to pray because I never did that. And thanks for telling me to look in the Bible because I've never read the Bible. Didn't even think of that. Thanks for that great advice. I mean, this is why people leave Christianity. Christianity because we give stupid advice. I mean, he said he went to the Bible and he actually just had more questions and it amplified the amount of questions he had. It amplified the amount of things he said that did not make sense in his mind. And this is good. I mean, it's good that he's questioning. It's good that he's checking it out. It's not good that he hasn't got answers. So for future reference, going forward, I'm a little tired and ticked off about people leaving the faith just because they weren't given good answers. They were told just to believe or God's a mystery or other cheesy advice like that. So from henceforth, Catholic truth, if you're a singer out there of a lead band, if you're a Christian in the worldview of worship, if you're a Christian leader at a Bible study or anything else and you have doubts and you have questions, you can come to us and we will answer your questions with solid, logical, reasonable answers. We're not going to give you cheesy bumper sticker advice. We're going to give you real resources, real proof for the existence of God, real answers to biblical difficulties. And there are whole books that we have answering the Bible difficulties. 
So for any movie actor, anybody at all who's a bigwig and don't, doesn't feel because of their status that they can question, you can come to us, whether publicly or privately, and you can ask us all the questions you want. That's what we're here for. We want to enrich your faith. We want to help your faith. We want to help you to have it become real in your life. We want to fill in those holes, those gaps, those questions, the puzzle pieces. We want to be there for you. So from this moment forth, please know that you can come here and ask your questions and get real answers. You can ask us on our YouTube channel and check out our videos, or you can email us at our website, thecatholictruth.org. And I can tell you just most Protestantism, I mean, they do give cheesy answers. No offense intended, but they give cheesy answers. Most Protestants are just, oh, we go by the Bible. It's in the Bible. Go by the Bible. And they actually try to prove to atheists that God exists from the Bible. I mean, this is just nonsense. The Bible is not everything. It doesn't give all the answers. And atheists and many people who are questioning don't accept the Bible. So you have to go outside the Bible to give these answers. And most times, Protestants can't do that. This is Protestantism compared to the intellectual giant that the Catholic Church has been over the 2,000-year history. I mean, you look at the Protestant apologists, and then you look at Catholic answers, and you look at Catholic explanation for God, like the proofs of St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, I could recommend to you books just three off the top of my head. And John Steingarda, you probably will never watch this video, but if you do, just check out these books and let me know what you think. But one book, these are deep. I mean, this is deep stuff for the existence of God. This is the stuff that you would want to stimulate your mind. Or for anyone else out there who's questioning your faith, check out these books and these resources. One is called New Proofs for the Existence of God by Father Robert Spitzer. And it's contributions of contemporary physics and philosophy to prove or give evidence for God's existence. Another one by Edward Fazer, who's a phenomenal apologist, is called Five Proofs for the Existence of God. It's very deep and philosophical. And another one answering atheism called The Last Superstition, a refutation of the new atheism and why their arguments are bunk. Uh, you could also check out my book for more beginners. Uh, these are questions that people have about the faith that I have answered over the last 15 years. I've heard these questions. They're good questions, and we give answers to them. And there's no reason why we should not have our questions answered. So John Steingard and anyone else like yourself, please come see us. We beg you. We want to amplify the message of truth. We want to amplify the message that faith is not blind and that there are real answers. John Steingard, if you want me to come and meet with you, or if you want to talk on the phone, I will listen for hours. I will talk with you for hours. As long as you want to talk and ask questions, I'd be happy to answer all of your questions or anybody like yourself. If you're the lead singer of a band and you're struggling with faith, Come talk to us. I'd be happy to answer your questions. So we're going to answer some of Mr. Steingard's objections here just real briefly. We already have some uh, YouTube videos on this subject, and we're going to be going over a lot of these things in greater detail in our podcast. Here's what Mr. Steingard says in his own words about his struggles with faith. Why does God seem so PO'd in most of the Old Testament? And then all of a sudden, he's a loving father in the New Testament. Why does he say not to kill, but then instruct the Israelites to go kill men, women, and children to take the promised land? Why does God let Job suffer horrible things just to win a bet with Satan? Why does he tell Abraham to kill his son 
more killing again, and then basically say, just kidding, this was a test. Why does Jesus have to die for our sins? More killing again. If God can do anything, can't he forgive without someone dying? I mean, my parents taught me to forgive people, and nobody dies in that scenario. These are great questions. Thank you for your questions, John Steingard. Thank you for them. I mean, they're great questions, and many people have them. You're not the only one, and you're not abnormal for having them. But really, there are great answers, too, especially if you study deeper the biblical understanding behind these. Don't just read the Bible, but to understand the Bible from a biblical, scholarly, intellectual point of view. I mean, I have the same questions as well. Why is God so mean in the Old Testament? He seems to kill everybody, and then all of a sudden he doesn't kill anybody in the New Testament. He seems lovey-dovey, and there's lots of birds, and people are nice. And so what's the deal with that? And then somebody told me that the whole Bible is a story of God's love from beginning to end, which I was skeptical about. And I'm skeptical about a lot of things until I do the deep research on them. But I reread the Old Testament with that in mind, that God's love, and it's a story of God's love. And what I found is that it's absolutely 100% true, is that God created us out of love. He wanted to have a relationship with us in love. He made a covenant again and again with us in love, and the people of Israel promised to love God in return. And a covenant is more than just a contract where two people sign it and you're good. It's more like entering into marriage where you both make promises to each other and give your lives to each other. That's the covenant that God made with Israel, where they gave their lives to God and promised with all their heart to serve him, and God gave his life and his deity to them and promised promise to watch over them, protect them, and bless them, and both sides would be faithful to each other, kind of like in marriage. But the whole story of the Old Testament is that Israel is a rebellious child, and that the wages of sin is death. Ever since Adam and Eve ate that fruit, God said, if you eat this, you will what? Die. That's why there's so much death in the Old Testament, is because they could have chosen God and life, but instead they chose the devil and death. They chose death. And death entered the world. And that rebellion against God, that sin, is what leads to death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, is death. And so you have people dying a lot in the Old Testament and not in the New Testament because Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus took our death once and for all. He took all death. He paid the penalty for all sin so that we don't have to die for our sins anymore. He did it once and for all, as it says in Hebrews chapter 9. But here's the thing with the Old Testament. I read the Old Testament, and I saw that God was the one who actually got the jip. He was so faithful to the Israelites. He gave them so much, even when they didn't deserve it, and they continued to give him the finger. They continued to spit at him. They continued to go, in a sense, fornicate on him. He always accused them of being idolatrous, of going and worshiping false gods. He always accused them of cheating on him with other nations and other people pagan idols and that sort of thing. And even in the midst of this, God never just wiped them out. God never just killed people. He always sent prophets and said, hey, if you continue, remember the covenant we had? You know, remember we were supposed to love each other? I still want to love you. I still want that relationship with you, but you've broken it and you've triggered the curse of sin, which is death. And I don't want to kill you. So I'm telling you in advance many times, and I'm sending you people to tell you that if you don't repent and come back to this relationship, bad things are going to happen. Mr. Steingart, imagine if you 
came home every day to your wife. I think you said you were married and your wife, every day you came home, you found her with a different man in your bedroom, you know, making love with him. Would that make you angry? Would that make you upset? Would you just be furious? And what if every time that you promised to leave her, she fell on her knees and begged for your forgiveness and you say, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then a week later, you find the same thing happening again and again and again in your own bedroom, in your own marital bed. Not only is it just an obscene offense against you, it's disrespectful, it's rude, and quite frankly, it's evil. And that's how the, I mean, really, that's what God had to deal with in the Old Testament with the Israelites. They were constantly saying that they loved him and then cheating on him with other guards. And, and evil, evil too. I mean, sometimes they would not only cheat on God, but they would profane him. They would go to the holiest temple and they would have orgies in the temple near the altar where they would just defile it with the most disgusting evil you can imagine. And we wonder why God's wrath was enkindled. God is very slow to anger most times in the Old Testament. And many times, even in these disgusting times, I remember at the end of Isaiah, they were doing these orgies and they were doing the most perverted, disgusting things, saying that they would follow God and then following the devil. And God said, said, listen, even though you deserve death and you deserve not even for me to ever look at you ever again, I still love you. And even now, even though you have done the most hideous and vile things, even if you repent now and come back to me, I will forgive you and I will wipe it away as if it never happened because I love you. I mean, this is the story. If you read the Old Testament, it's the story of God's ridiculous love for us. I mean, we should have been condemned and killed thousands of times over and he's always calling us back to his love. But what do you do when your kid gets punished? You know, how do you reprimand him? Now, what if you have 10 kids over who are all doing bad things? How do you punish them? What if you have a whole country that's going astray? How do you how do you get their attention and bring them back to you? Sometimes drastic things were needed, but God always loved them. He always called them back to love, and the killing so-called, was a consequence of sin. We chose that just as Adam and Eve did. And of course, there's much deeper answers to this, but this is the very nutshell version of it, is that the whole story is one of love, and it culminates in Jesus Christ who takes our punishment and our death so we don't have to die anymore. Sure, we die physically, but we can live in heaven with God forevermore. It's the same thing with Abraham, and we have a really old video on that if you're interested. Um, but Abraham... I mean, God, we have to understand that, yeah, the Israelites killed people, and God said that the Israelites could kill people, even though he said don't kill, which he said don't murder. But we have to understand the whole worldview of the Bible isn't God just, oh, you can kill, it's okay. No, God came down in the life of Abraham and into the life of Israelites at a time where tribal warfare was rampant, and it was a thing. And tribal warfare was the kind where when you attack another tribe, you don't leave any alive. You kill them all. And so God... He couldn't stop this because people have free will and he, no one would listen to him anyways because it was just so rampant. It was so part of life. They'd be like, well, we don't want you. We're going to worship a God that will allow us. We're going to sacrifice to gods that will give us our victory. But God wanted the Israelites and he wanted people to follow him. So he worked with people where they were at. This is not what he would wanted. I mean, sin brought death and war and all these bad things into the world, disease and famine, natural disasters. But God didn't want any of this. God said, follow me, don't eat the fruit. And they did, anyways. But the point is, is that most of the wars of Israel were in self-defense. They weren't just going out and killing people in cold blood. They were self-defense. And God came into the uh, a world with this tribal warfare. So yeah, there was a lot of killing when God came onto the scene, but God didn't do it. It was already happening before and around the time God came onto the scene. 
And I have a book, if you're interested, for anyone who's interested, it's called Hard Sayings, A Catholic Approach to Answering Biblical Difficulties. And there's also a Protestant one. It's called Is God a Moral Monster? And both of these talk about the Bible difficulties, if you're interested, and go through difficult Old Testament passages and put them in light that makes sense. Like Abraham, for example. The gods of the nations used to desire and require human sacrifice. They wanted people dead. And so people used to kill for their gods. They'd kill lots of people in order to appease the gods. And so when God demanded that Abraham kill his son, notice Abraham didn't even think anything of it. It was the law of the land. Everybody did that for their gods. But God, in this process, did it for a specific reason. Because he wanted to show that he was a different God than all the other gods that ever existed. He was a loving father that doesn't require human sacrifice. He is a loving father that would never make you kill your own son or daughter just to appease him. So he was showing Abraham how different he was by not allowing him to go through the sacrifice. And Abraham trusted him the whole time. Part of the problem of why people leave the church is because we read the Bible in English from an American worldview, a point of view, and 2,000 years removed from the original worldview and the way that other people understood these events. Abraham didn't have a problem with it, but we put our emotional uh, attachments onto it. Oh my gosh, imagine what Abraham felt. Imagine this. Imagine Abraham trusted God. And when Isaac said, Father, where is the wood for the Holocaust? I mean, Abraham knew it was going to be Isaac. What did Abraham say? He said, oh, the Lord himself will provide the wood for the Holocaust. In other words, the Lord's going to provide. I don't doubt God at all. And God rewarded him and showed him what kind of loving God he is by not being like all the other gods or acquiring a human sacrifice. I mean, I could go on to answer many of these, and these books answer these in a much more intellectually deep way than I'm answering now if you're interested. But the bottom line is, is that our answers for our questions and things can make sense if we understand them. But many times we don't study the Bible. I mean, sure, God, as Mr. Steingart said, could just forgive us. However, the penalty for sin is death because when we push God away— that's what we choose. We are choosing death. When we choose sin and we don't choose life, we are choosing death. And so, I mean, in a sense, we're in quicksand. We're already going to die because of sin. But because of what Jesus did, Jesus said, I don't want you to die. I made you to live with me forever in love. So I am going to reach my hand down and pull you out of the quicksand and anybody who grabs my hand can be saved. I mean, that's the kind of God we worship. God doesn't want all this death. He says so many times throughout the Old Testament that I don't glorify in death. I don't rejoice in this death. I don't want this death. I don't need this death. I'm not that kind of a God. It's that you have chosen this. You have chosen it, but I have chosen something so much better for you. And God, the whole story of the entire Bible is one of love. So I challenge you to go read the Bible with that in mind. Everything God does is to give them laws. I mean, think about all the laws of Leviticus. God never gave the Ten Commandments. God never gave all the 600 plus laws in Leviticus. And God never gave all of this until the Israelites went and worshipped the golden calf until they refused to follow God. And so God, like a good parent, said, okay, guys, we need a few rules, like any good parent would do. And when we understand that God is a loving father in the Old Testament and the New, and God gave them thousands of chances, it's an amazing story. It's, it's an amazing story to read the Old Testament and God's love. In closing, Mr. Steingart also talked about the problem of pain and suffering and why God allows this in 
the world if he loves us. Is he not able to stop it? Does he not want to? Common atheist objection. But C.S. Lewis has a great book, and he's a Protestant. He has a great book called The Problem of Pain, and it goes through a wonderful, a marvelous treatment of free will and suffering, the reasons for them, and why it makes complete sense. So if this is something that you struggle with and you want to read The Problem of Pain, you can do that. I also talk about suffering in my book, uh, Why Do You Believe in God and Why God Allows Suffering, and why it's it can even be a good thing and different ways to look at it. But the bottom line is there are answers. Please, Check out the answers, Mr. Steingart. Please come talk to me. Uh, Marty Sampson from Hillsong. I've already extended the invitation to you a long time ago. If you want to talk and if you want real answers, you want to go deep about these things, I'm happy to do that. Any other Christian singer, if you're doubting and you want to just come here privately and talk about things, please do that. Call us up. Send us an email. Let us know your struggles of faith, and we will try to help you the best we can. We're here for you. I struggle with faith. I struggle with doubts. I struggled for many years asking deep questions, and nobody answered them for me. So I had to find them on my own after studying for 25 years, and I've looked up the answers, and I want to share that knowledge with and what I've learned with people who are struggling like yourself. So please, consider us. We'll be praying for you. And if you can, please support our ministry. Check out our Patreon page because it's our patrons. And I want to thank our patrons for making this ministry possible. You do it. You allow it. So thank you, patrons. And we need many more patrons so we can reach many more people. All of it goes back to the ministry 100%. And we thank you for allowing us to minister to you and for praying for us. May God bless your day.